Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Welcome to the Any Key Radio Show. I'm your host, Kenny Any Key Moore. We're back with you for another episode. We're going to deal with a, a real serious topic. We've got a special guest that's going to join us in a few minutes. Before we uh, introduce our special guest, you know we always like to start with some music. So we're going to go right into a song by one of my favorite uh, guys in the gospel music industry. It's Give Me a Clean Heart by Fred Hammond. Just lay your hand 
host Fred Hammond with Give Me a Clean Heart. Now, I'm really excited. I know I've been teasing it and teasing it, saying I was going to have a special guest and have some interviews. But today, we finally were able to make it happen. On the line with me right now is my family, is my cousin, William Moore from the Chill Time is Real Time podcast. Will, what's up, man? What's going on, cuz? How's it going, man? Good, good, good. Um, Moors, any, if anybody knows anything about the Moors, one thing we know how we can talk about is sports. So Will was kind enough to, <laughs> right, right? That's for sure. So Will was kind enough to have me on his show when we was talking about the NBA draft and we said that we were going to return the favor and he was going to come on mine, so we're able to make it happen tonight. So I'm glad to have you on. Oh, most, most definitely, man. I appreciate the opportunity and, uh, as I was saying before, uh, we we gotta make this like a regular thing again, like once a month or whatever. Like we gotta do it. I think it's a good way to to make sure we keep the attention contributing to each other's art. You know, for sure, for sure, for sure. So today we're talking about a it's almost a taboo topic within, especially within the African American community. Uh, we're gonna we're entitling this uh, episode "Functional Dysfunction." Right, right. So here's a few stats I was able to pull from courtesy of Brandon Gale. One in eight children today are born to a teen mother. One in three children today are born to parents that are unmarried, although they may be cohabiting. One out of every 25 kids in the U.S. doesn't live with either one of their parents. More than two-thirds of children today are living in what would be considered a non-traditional family environment. 34% of children today are living with an unmarried parent, up from just 9% in 1960 and 19% in 1980. Now, those are some serious stats. Now, Will, when you think about... I think think there's some some pretty telling numbers, too. And the thing is, um, those numbers are only growing, to be honest with you, too. Um, It's not like those numbers, you know, kind of like, there was like, you know, a product of one or two bad years or whatever. I think if you're able to look at the data, statistics, that those numbers have been steadily rising over the years. Absolutely. Absolutely. So listen, tell me about, tell me your story. Tell me about your childhood. What was it like growing up for Will? So, man, interesting to say the least. And to be honest with you, um... I don't think I realized how unique or different it was until I got older. Um, because, you know, when you're born into certain situations or you're just used to seeing things over and over and over, you, you become conditioned to them, right? Definitely. And so that becomes like your base, it becomes your baseline normal. So to you, that's normal. You know what I mean? Sure. And you don't realize until you see other people's baseline normals that the way that you live or what you see as a reality could in fact be an outlier. Wow, that's good, man. That's good stuff there. Yeah, so, so for, for instance, like, for me, you know, like, you know, parents served uh, right after I was, born, you know, I was born. We moved to Southern California. Uh, my pops was on a Fort Worth military base. Okay. Um, in Oceanside. Yeah, yeah. And then we were there for a number of years until we moved back into Lexington. Um... And just to kind of expedite it, because I don't want to go on this long, drawn-out like thing, like, 
when I when I was what I was getting at when I was saying I lived a very interesting childhood, like and when I was we moved around a lot, so I went to six different elementary schools. Um, I was actually raised by my grandma after my parents divorced um, at about what six six and a half seven years old. I actually went to go live with my uh, with my dad's um, mom, and that wasn't a part of the plan actually. Wow! I was initially supposed to go uh, live with my dad. Okay. And I gave it a shot. Yeah, so I went to go live with my dad. And I remember as a little kid being like super excited, right? And being sure. like geek because it's like, yo, this is your pop. You look up to your dad. Definitely. And it's like, it's just going to be the fellas, right? Yeah. And as soon as I go into the house, there's this woman there. And I had the words fly right off the bat. Man. Um, and part of it, like, I got to be honest, see, part of it is just like with any, with any group of any kid, like, your parents stood up. You know, like, whether it's your mom or your dad, you with, like, if they bring somebody else in the picture, they look at, they look at that as an outsider, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not really digging that. But, so not only was it that, but I, along with this woman, also just had a very bad relationship. Um, there was some jealousy on behalf of her. Um, I don't know whether she thought that because... You know, I'm my father's child by another woman that is potentially like a link back to to, to, to my mother, this other woman, or what. But I remember distinctly, like, the way she reacted and treated me when my father was around, whereas when my father wasn't around, was, was, was not good. And, to, and, and eventually it got to the point where it's so volatile, I actually, after about a year, went to go live with my grandma. Wow. Um, and, yeah, and I tried, like, there were maybe two or three other occasions where I attempted to go back and live with my father, and it just wouldn't work out. You know? And so, essentially, um, my grandma raised me. Okay. And when I make that statement, it's not to say that that my parents weren't involved, because both my mother and my father were involved in my life. But I lived under my grandmother's roof until I left for college at 17, 18 years old. Okay. And so, yeah, and so, to me, so in other you words, so in other words, you were no, one of those kids that talked about in the stat where one out of twenty five kids in the U.S. doesn't live with either one of their parents. That was your reality. It, it, exactly. And the funny part about that, but check this out, man. So this is the funny part about it. Uh, as you know, like I'm not the only child, right? Right. But I, in fact, was the only child that was raised with my grandma. My youngest brother lived with my dad, and his mom and my sisters lived with my mom. So I was so even though I'm the oldest of all the, of all these kids, right? Yeah. Like I gotta admit, like part of my development growing up, I lived much, very much like an only child. So there was of course because you were by yourself. Like there were certain tendencies, tendencies yeah. that I had as an adult, like especially in my teens or my early twenties, uh, like selfishness and stuff like that. They're like very much indicative of somebody who grew up like as an only child, even though I wasn't. And so I, I used to find that as I got older and I would, you know, go through these stages where I would do a lot of reflecting and kind of analyzing myself, you know, and, and I would have to do that because, you know, if, you know, as you get older, you run in different situations, maybe you had a rough relationship with a significant other or whatever, or you're going through difficult times in life that cause you to really, like, look at yourself and how you handle things. I like to think that. A lot of that, uh, a lot of my behavior and how I reacted towards other people in group settings 
really had a lot to do with that. The fact that I was essentially raised by the only child, being that I was the only one that, my, that, that was in my grandma's house. Man, you like really are, yo, you dropping some serious information, and I think which it's which your your reality is a lot of people's reality. Now, see, mine is different because I grew up in the, what's what would be called the the model home. You know, my the parents, nuclear family, yeah, yeah, the nuclear great. That's the word, the nuclear family. You know, mom and dad. Shout out to mom and dad. They've been together. They've been married uh, forty six years. Um, so my dad was always in the home. So I grew up in that nuclear family. So I, I can't relate to what you had to go through. So my next question is, is how did that, how did that shape you in your adulthood? I know you talked about it a little bit about how it caught, it manifested itself in your adulthood, but what did it cause in terms of challenges in terms of, because of the dysfunction that you grew up in? Um, honestly, I think that just caused me to, like, it's so, so everybody goes through stages of growth, right? You go through, it's it's just a natural part of human development. Any public health nurse or anybody like that, that you go through certain stages of development from, you know, toddlers to adolescenthood, adolescenthood to teens and teens to young adults and then a full-fledged adult, right? I just think that I went through the process that didn't really follow a textbook, to be honest with you. Okay. Which, which I think is hilarious. Um, that people really like to go by these, uh, like textbooks or whatever, when they're dealing with actual people. And what I mean by that is, years ago, I used to, before I'm working in public health like I do now, I used to uh, work doing outreach programming and stuff in elementary schools, right? And I used to mm-hmm. work with kids with emotional behavioral disabilities. Okay. And so these kids were like, Kids who would be in there, like, they'd be in there, like, last job. Like, they were put out of regular schools, right? And they had, like, the highest level of emotional behavior. Sure. Issues, right? I'm talking sure. about fighting sure. left and right, teachers, yeah. students and teachers, everything. And we would always get somebody in who was, like, fresh out of school and, like, just uh, got their degree in social work and uh, trying to be, like, or some type of sociology or psychology. And not to throw, throw shade at any of those professions. Of course not. Of course not. And they have that purpose. But there's nothing like natural human interaction. Absolutely. And the reason I say it was, yeah, and the reason I say it was funny and interesting is because you could see them trying techniques that they had learned from some textbook or whatever with these kids, and the kids would just be flipping out on them. And then I would come in, somebody who has a degree that has nothing to do with that, and be able to get these children, like, under control. And it's because... You had the life experience. You know, I was building rapport and stuff with them. And in that sense, I had a background that mimicked some of these children. So I knew how to relate to them in a way that somebody with a degree in psychology and sociology simply did not know how to relate to them. You but, know what I'm saying? Right, because you had the life experience that you could draw from, that you could right, see. Right. You could see someone, you could see yourself in them. Exactly, exactly. And so, therefore, like, so, so, so my development, so, what, so, so to bring it back full circle a little bit and kind of get back to the original point, like my development didn't follow some textbook development of a child, right? There were certain not. things that I learned as an adult that some people learn as black kids, like me sharing and having a selfish attitude. You're supposed to learn how to break out of that as a kid. Absolutely. I didn't learn how to break out of that until I was an adult. Wow. There's certain behaviors, like people don't learn until they're like uh, uh, adults, that I learned as a child. 
Like, I learned how to deal with death taxes and people. You know what I mean? I learned how to deal with not being a not being a follower, being very independent and doing my own thing. Oh yeah. Younger, yeah, you know, you know, we, you know we share also that trait. Picked up some bad habits. I also picked up some bad habits. Like I said, I wasn't exactly like if you want to talk about relationships. I wasn't a nurturing individual either because I had not seen that type of affection or whatever in my household. Now, when I make that comment, it does not mean that I was in a household that was not. Uh, love or definitely true man I think you know in our family and in the, in the African-American family in general I think uh, affection sometimes is a challenge for us as a people to express ourselves uh, so what you're talking about that's that's a it may be a more trait as well you know um, because we're not the most affectionate people you know our family we're no. definitely close and we're close knit but like saying I love you and we stuff like that, yeah, it's oh yeah, yeah. But and when we, it comes to yeah, you when we mad, yeah. Uh, as far as getting like deep in our feelings, yeah. that's not a forte. No, not at all. And I, I don't think that's something that's just strictly to our family. I think again in the African American community at large, I think that's an issue because a lot of times we put things under the surface and we don't want to have the conversations that deal with the real issues that we're dealing with in terms of our family unit. Would you agree? But you know what? You, I, I agree, but you know where a lot of that comes from, sir? That's generational trauma, though. You, you say that you again? think about it from the standpoint of like... I'm sorry, say, say that, say that one more time, what it was? That's a generational trauma. Generational trauma. Yeah. Um, okay. Yes. That's a great. Yeah. That's a so, great term. So, so if you think about historically what African American families or whatever had to deal with, right? Like we have always had to put on this strong face, this strong front, because we can't we can't let it show that that we're being effective. You know. You know. Historically, like African Americans, and even still today, we're dealing with stuff like structural racism, police brutality. You know, what I'm saying our parents, our grandparents dealt with lynchings, dealt with, you know what I'm saying? You got to think, the, 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 the Civil Rights Act, dude, that's only a few decades old. That, that happened in the 60s, right? Right, right, yeah. Like, what, right, roughly 1964? Yeah. For us to get, for the Civil Rights Act to get signed? And that's just, if you want to say, that's just on paper, not even in action. We, our civil rights are still being violated at some point. Oh, for you sure. Know, in reality. For sure. You know what I'm saying? So, sure. you got to think, as African Americans, we've had to like put on this strong persona, this strong face, so we can, so, so uh, of almost like this, this armor of no fear, no hurt, to let the outside world know, no matter what you do to us, we still coming, we still here, we still made it. But the, but the, the side effect of that is sometimes we don't know how to turn that off. The, yes. The that yes. Public, yes, sir. We bring it yes, back sir. home. Yes, sir. We bring it back in the home, and what we don't realize is 
we indirectly pass it on to our children. So, whereas we are looking to teach our children and pass on to our children that they need to be strong out in the world, the fact that we don't know how to cut the switch off when we come back in the home, they grow up and retain these same behaviors, and they don't know how to switch it back off in the home either. And so they pass that, uh, they pass that off from generation to generation. And, and, that's, and that's, you know, that's part of it. The other part of it is, you know, there's, there's weakness in saying things like, I need to go get a therapist, or I need to talk to somebody, you know. Man, that, you're that, talking that some is, real talk here, man. That we don't want to show. And it's also, it's part of that too is not just a weakness. Part of it comes from a distrust of a system uh, uh, that historically has not been fair to African Americans. Um, there's a reason why our, you know, our grandparents and great aunts and uncles don't want to go to the doctor. Look at the story of Marietta Lax. Man. Uh, you know, medical professionals took advantage of that. You're dropping the knowledge, experiment. cousin. You're dropping knowledge. Right. The Tuskegee experiment. Where they were, they were, you know what I'm saying, uh, infecting a, a, a black man with sickness or stuff like that. Not telling them. I mean, God, leave the United States government. Just apologize for that within the past decade. That those are atrocities committed by medical professionals in a system that were supposed to be in charge of taking care of us. So when you accompany different things like that, uh, uh, needing to be strong out in the water position and distrust for medical professionals in different fields, that breeds a contempt for showing weakness and needing to get help when we, when we should uh, get help. And so we have to get to the point where we are willing to be open to do that. Like there's nothing wrong with saying I need to talk to somebody. There's nothing wrong with saying I need to get help to be more emotionally available to my spouse or to my family. Because in the end, it only benefits us. But first, we need to cross the jump over those hurdles and get past those issues. So, there's really more, but those are two of the prominent issues that we have in our culture. I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. I think that we 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 put up a shield, or we put a um, a barrier, like an emotional barrier, to keep ourselves from being uh, hurt. Uh, sometimes it's because of things that happened in our past, like you were talking about. You know how you grew up. It causes us to have these certain. Um, Walls, for lack of a better term, that we shield ourselves so that we and we insulate ourselves to keep us from getting hurt. I know with me, it's hard for me to let people into my inner circle. Um, right. Because of, and I think it's partly because of my family and my background. Um, you know, you know, having an uncle that played in the NBA for 17 years, and sometimes with people. You have to, you're almost judging their motives for why they want to be friends with you. So I know growing up, yeah. I would I would check people like, are you my friend because you want to be my friend? Or are you my friend because my uncle is Rod Strickland? Uncle Rod, yeah. So, like, I kind of carried that over into my adulthood to whereas now, um, Rod's been retired for years. But still, in terms of me letting people into my inner circle... It takes a lot. Like, the dudes that I run with are guys that I've known since high school. Like, shout out to my fam, George, Wee, Sid, Monte, Mike, Tamar. Those guys I've been knowing since, like, 8th and ninth grade. And these are my lifelong friends. So, right. like, when it comes to people that you ride with, yeah, man. Yeah, but if you look at it, though... Your behavior, considering the circumstances, your behavior is right where, right where it should be. Listen, 
you've been conditioned to have distrust about who your circle should be since you were a child. You're what? You're a couple of years older than me. Yeah, we're not going to put that out there. Yeah, we're not going to put that out there. Right now, <laughs> you've had how many years of conditioning? That's not going to change in a year. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But sure. that's not going to change in a couple years. That takes, that takes years and years of concentration and effort to change that. You're 100% so, correct. And so when we look at that, when we look at stuff like that, I think one of the worst things that we can do when we need it, when we do need to get help and do need to get change, is ignore the root of why we are the way we are. And then we need to start being realistic about how that how we're supposed to come about with achieve, achieving that change and that growth. I think the moment we are, refuse to look at the root of the issue, it's just like weeds. You can go, you can have weeds in your line, but you're always supposed to pull the weeds, right? Because you got to pull the weed out. You do. You got to pull the root out. You do. I you just the grass, it's still there. It is. You got to get down in there. You know what I'm saying? And so, and it's the same way with it, addressing our, you know, the mental and emotional issues. Yeah, that's if we don't address the stuff. root of it, it's still always going to be there. It's yeah. always going to be there. And, and, and once we, like I said, once we understand what the root is, it's going out, then we can start to cultivate the rest of our behaviors to fill in that gap and fill in those, those holes and fill, and, and fill in those, uh, those habits, replace those negative habits and negative reactions with positive ones. But it's only until then is it going to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that kind of leads me to my last question, and um, we're going to wrap this up, man. Uh, what advice would you give to people that are trying to get out of dysfunctional uh, situations or relationships or whatever, scenarios, whatever the case may be? First thing first, be real with yourself. That's the first thing you're going to do. Yes, sir. Because I don't care how many people claim to be real and claim to be telling the truth. A lot of us lie to ourselves, we do. And, and I'm not oh, saying absolutely that we lie to ourselves. For, for, for negative purposes, a lot of us may have good intent, but the fact of the matter is we lie to ourselves. So the first time, the first, so first thing you gotta do is be real with yourself and be real with the issues or whatever that you may be facing or you may be at. The second thing you need to do is figure out what the root of that, or what the root of that is. Once you can get at the root, get to the root of that, then the third, the third option is you can work on fixing that. Cause the bottom line is, you're not going to be good for somebody else until you're good for yourself first. I, I used to have this saying, you know, especially when it comes to relationships, people are always trying to find the one. Well, you know what? You're not going to find the one until you can be the one. Oh, that's good, man. That, that's just, you that's said something. You're not going to find the one until you, you yourself can be the one. And then once, like I said, once you're able to do those things, whether, whether you're in a relationship or not, if you're not in a relationship, then you work to build yourself and fix yourself. And then along the way, you'll find that person that you're supposed to be with. If you happen to already be with that person, then if you, those are things that you work on for you. You know, first on yourself, because you need to work on yourself for yourself. Always. And then you guys can begin to work on the relationship together. And during that process of working on that relationship together, you'll realize whether or not this is somebody that you continue to be with because you guys can build together, build one another up, and be in a symbiotic relationship. A symbiotic relationship, um, the, the definition of that is one to where you feed off one another. Yes, you know, you yes, one yes. Another, you That's huge, girl. man. Or if it's a parasitic relationship, which means only one person is feeding, one person is growing, one person is elevating, and the other one is getting worse. The other one is done. Dude, 
You really, you really so, drop the so stuff. Once you figure man. that out, you know what I'm saying? Then you know which way your relationship is. You know what I'm saying? You can either grow together or you can go to your separate, you go to your separate ways. Go together or grow apart. You gotta do the work for yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. That's, that's always important. So, man, listen, you have really, you have done an outstanding job of just breaking down this whole uh, dynamic of dysfunction. And, man, I can't tell you how proud I am of you as a cousin, being an older cousin and hearing how mature and how uh, well-versed and how educated you are. Man, salute to you, man. Salute to you. Man, I'm just going hey, to carry the mantle. Other name, y'all, y'all laid, y'all laid the foundation before me, so it ain't, you know what I mean. Like y'all talking, you talking about you proud, man. I'm proud, I'm proud to represent the family, dude. I appreciate and, it. It's, it's not a, it's my responsibility to do right by the man. You know what I mean? Like no that, doubt. that's just facts. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So listen, before I get, before I let you go, I gotta let you plug your your pod. So let my audience know how they can find you. Give up, give us your social media. Plug the podcast and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So, my podcast is called uh, Chill Time is Will Time. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify. You got Alexa. Alexa, ask Alexa to play it for you. Google Podcasts, Castbox. It, any and everywhere. What are you not on, on man? It, and that's what I'm about to say. <laughs> any platform that you listen to a podcast, I'm there. iTunes, all of it. Gotcha. So if you have a particular platform that you like to listen to podcasts, look up Chill Time and Will Time, and you'll find me. If you are interested in being interviewed or have any questions or comments about anything that I talked about on any episode, you know, send me an email to chilltimepod at gmail.com. And uh, the, the you know the Twitter the Twitter handle is the same. It's at chilltimepod uh, uh, chilltimepodcast. So um, and that's yeah, your Twitter handle, right? You know Yep, yep, yep. And so uh, that's that's what that is. And if anybody wants to uh, check that out, please do so. Um, and as always, like I said, man, the invitation is always open. Like I said to you at the beginning, man, please jump on again. I love to do the family thing again. Oh yeah, for we sure. We're gonna keep it going. Yeah, we're gonna keep it going. And um, again, thank you so much for being on, cousin. Much love to you, man. All the best with the pod. We'll talk offline and figure out our next episode when I'm going to be on with you. Sounds good? Love, man. Give All right, my dude. Give my regards to the rest of the family, man. Will do. All right, man. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. That was... That was my cousin, William Moore, better known as Billy Bob to us and the family. Uh, just super proud of him and was, was just really glad to have, be able to have this conversation with him. So now that we've uh, talked and all of that good stuff, we're going to get back into the music. We're going to go into Hang On uh, by Kiara Sheard and the GEI.
your back's against the wall. You gotta hang when it seems my hope is lost. See, I'm a witness, he'll hold you up. And in the process, he'll fill your cup. So I'm not worried, I'm not scared. I'm gon' trust like my bishop said. It's a message to the devil, you can't help our faith. And we gon' make a lot
He turned it by Ty Tribbett. And it's wonderful to know that no matter what we're going through, no matter what challenges we're dealing with in life, if we give it to God, he's able to turn it. Thank God for that. All right, it's time for our Any Key Music moment. And this is the time where I kind of wrap up the show uh, with my thoughts. And uh, today... Um, we've been talking about uh, functional dysfunction, so here's my thought. The healthy family is not always what it appears to be. If you find yourself in a negative environment that doesn't push you to be your best, then it may be necessary to remove yourself. Distance can sometimes make personal relationships between family and close friends better because you value the time you have when you come together. It's okay to go on your own path or create your own lane. Being different isn't a bad thing. It may be the thing that sets you up to be the best version of yourself in the long run. So go against the grain if that's what is going to lead you to the path of being great and fulfilling your destiny. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Any Key Radio Show. Make sure you go to Spreaker.com, that's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash A-N-Y-K-E-N-Y and listen to previous episodes or you can download the Spreaker app to listen to the show on your phone or tablet. So until next time, be positive on purpose.
Jim, got courtside tickets tonight. You in? Can't. Got plans. Hi, Jim. Grab a bite later? No can do. Very important plans. Jim, can you work late tonight? Ah, sorry. It's a really big night for me. Daddy, want to go to McDonald's? Hmm, can't wait, buddy. There's nothing more important than family. That's why our Happy Meals come with an Honest Kids organic apple juice drink and all the quality time in the world. Now just $3 off the one, two, three dollar menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.